Welcome to the Iowa Agronomy Update, where we talk all things agronomics. I'm your host, Brent Schwinnaker, and this podcast is brought to you by Asgro DeKalb Brand Seeds. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Iowa Agronomy Update. Uh, we've gotten through the holidays here. We've been uh, we've taken a, a couple months off here, but we thought it'd be a good time to get a new podcast recorded and, and out to you guys. Uh, our focus today is really going to be around uh, w- what are we hearing around the state during our winter agronomy meetings. And we've got a number of different topics here that keep coming up no matter where we go, whether we're north or south. And so who we've got with us today, we've got uh, Jim McDermott, Subercane, and John Swalwell here to kind of walk us through uh, a number of these topics as, as we go through. So that being said, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, first up, Sue, um, we're, we're hearing a lot about uh, tillage, residue management, and, and how a lot of that didn't get done uh, this past fall. So what, what are you thinking about as far as spring goes, and, and what can we look at with many options there? Brent, as I look at last fall and the opportunities to get in the field, we were pretty wet in a lot of locations. The fall kind of drug on, not getting a lot of work done. So from that perspective, a lot of the deep tillage didn't happen that we like to take out compaction lines or going underneath to break up some hard pans. We just didn't have that opportunity. Spring is typically not a great time to introduce that and do some deep tillage out in the fields. You may look at some dispass or you may look at some vertical tillage depending on your field conditions instead of pulling out the deep line machinery. And for that, you just you just don't have the winter left to break up that the clods and the larger pieces that come up that you can usually work down in the spring to make a nice planting bed. Uh, from a residue perspective in the fields, it'd be nice to knock out some of that. Some of your vertical tillage tools, if the conditions allow, would be a good option maybe to break up some of that to allow a planter to flow residue and get into the ground a little better for your furrow building. However, you've got to make sure your conditions are right because you can slick your tops. You can kind of make a mess of your seed bed if you go in the wrong conditions and it's too wet. So just be cautious of how you're entering the fields and when, and maybe understand you're not going to do every application of tillage you were hoping, but you need to make sure that the field's ready to go into to make a good planting bed for you. Okay, thanks. Thank you, Sue. And so uh, there's a number of things that can, can tie into that. And, and another thing would be, uh, we think about compaction. So, you know, we had a, a messy fall going into what could be a, a really rushed spring. You know, John, what, what can we think about as far as what, what damage has been done and what can we think about this coming spring as far as compaction goes? Yeah, well, it is kind of two facets there. Um, with the challenging harvest conditions, we were forced to run harvest operations when field conditions were not perfect. So we got some fields that are really tracked up, um, have some bad compaction minimum already, but I also think we need to think about what what are we going to be able to fix in the spring through maybe some tillage and what are we gonna have to avoid to keep things from getting worse? Um, I know everyone is worried about getting their dry fertilizer maybe on the ground. I know we didn't get fall ammonia done. Those are both operations that we prefer to do in the fall. Get some compaction to take the tr- or get some freezing and thawing to take the compaction out. We just really have to make sure that we are sensitive to the field conditions when we go in for spring operations. Um, I I think we may have to make some tough decisions. If you had a field that needs dry fertilizer or that was planned to have dry fertilizer, 
but if it stays terribly wet and those fertility levels are very good, you may be weighing whether you force that application if conditions are not right before planting. Yeah, and John, I would agree too. You know, up in Northwest Iowa, uh, a lot of ruts, a, a lot of uh, wet harvest conditions, you know, cause some of these fields to be left in, in really tough shape. Uh, but we really don't want to make a tough situation worse uh, by going out there um, when it's too wet or uh, doing some deep tillage in the spring. Uh, so I, I agree with Sue, it's just not the ideal time to do it, but uh, some of the vertical tillage machines can do a nice job of uh, being able to take out some of that surface compaction or some of the ruts that we have out there and leave us with a pretty good seed bed and, and again really help manage that residue by sizing it up uh, so then our, our planter can and can go through. Is really patience in the spring is going to be key. Uh, it is every year but this year probably even more so than most. Make sure we're giving extra time if we've got residue on the surface to allow uh, that ground to dry out and warm up. And our planters today uh, can probably overcome some more challenging conditions than they used to in the past. So you'll be making that value judgment of a tillage pass to make it all smooth versus not in putting more compaction in with that tillage pass when your planter could maybe go through not the perfect seed bed, especially if you've got down pressure on there and, and some of the other tools that we've added in, in the recent years to make that planting operation better. Yeah, so you, you mentioned downforce control. Sue, you mentioned residue management, all things that can be helped with certain, you know, enhancements on your on your planter, but certainly not gonna be the only option that we that are gonna save us with that going in <clears throat> excuse me, going into that planter pass. But so next we, we've kind of covered a couple things here, but I think the, the big thing that, that's on, on our minds here now was is nitrogen and, and some of the uh, a lot of the fall the fall anhydrous uh, applied guys, uh, a lot of numbers that I've been hearing floating around are anywhere from 10 to 20 percent of normal fall applied is, is the number that got applied. so, Jim, what what does that mean for our spring? Is it? I mean, how do we stay calm? What are our options? You know, what are what do we do when when we've got a, a ton of our nitrogen still to put on? Yeah, and I think the the key word there may be calm, uh, keeping the calm this spring, Brett. Uh, easier said than done, of course, uh, but we do know there's plenty of options. Um, you know, if if we do happen to open things up. Uh, uh, say late March or, or early April and get a chance to put in hydrous on. Um, we've been able to do that certain springs. You know, obviously we don't want to get too close to planting. You know, uh, there's no exact um, hours or, or days to wait. Uh, sometimes you'll hear a rule of thumb of uh, uh, two weeks ahead of the planters when you really want to have your anhydrous put on by. But that's going to vary by soil conditions and, and by the, uh, the, the type of ground that you're dealing with. Um, but you know, we do have options out there uh, knowing that we can go uh, liquid nitrogen uh, dry nitrogen um, we've got options to uh, side dress with some of the equipment out there um, you know, really with nitrogen we've got enough time to do it uh, either after we've planted or in season uh, or we really don't need to again get out there and cause compaction with some uh, anhydrous knives or with some other equipment uh, so we again don't want to uh, take a tough situation and uh, make it even worse. So knowing that we've got options, um, 
you know, gives us uh, plenty of tools in the toolbox to, uh, to wait if we need to and, and really spread out that nitrogen application. You know, in a way, we can look at some of the positives. Um, you know, really, this might be a, a year to, to try something different. Maybe if you've never side dressed before, maybe this is the year to do some split applications. And just the fact that a lot of these nitrogen applications are taking place closer to the time when the, the corn crop actually needs it, um, you know, maybe we can reduce that application slightly, uh, a few less pounds versus what we might have been putting on in the fall. So, you know, I guess we can try to uh, try to look at this year as a year to learn and, and to try some, some new things if we didn't get that fall anhydrous put on like we normally would. Probably a, a good year to do a kind of a field-by-field -field analysis because you're probably not going to get a two-week window to pull all of your ammonia on all the fields have a plan in place of what field could I side dress if push came to shove, what field could I manage with this other source, just so you know your options. And I'd encourage, you know, rechecking with your suppliers. Make sure you know all the option, options that they will have on hand. Maybe do a cost analysis of some of these different systems so that you could uh, make a field-by-field -field plan and kind of take the pressure off. Because um, what's going to happen is the sun's going to shine, the ground's going to straighten up, everybody's going to go to the field putting on ammonia. There's only going to be so many bars and so many tanks. So what are you going to do with your time when the field conditions are right if you can't be applying ammonia? We, we talked about it. You might think I'm crazy, but maybe you need to have a bean planter ready to go early on. Um, maybe you need to just prioritize what operations need to be done if you can't do the nitrogen according to your schedule and have to fit in with, with someone else's schedule on that. You know, John, you... Uh you know, you kind of cover an area there where the, the nitrogen pass is really about the only pass that we make before that planter. Um, we, we kind of mentioned that being too early. So, you know, what are, what are some thoughts there about what, what would happen if we go in a little bit too early trying to rush that in? On the ammonia specifically? On the, on the ammonia specifically, well, especially that knife. Yeah, well, there's a couple things. Um, we could uh, do some bad compaction with the tires that need to run over the ground. Uh, the other thing that can happen, um, pay really close attention to the depth. If the field conditions aren't such that you can run it really deep, you need to be a little bit careful because if we have shallow applied ammonia, we have more of a chance for anhydrous ammonia burn. Um, so it's kind of one of those things, just make sure you do no harm. If we are pushing the window this spring, we've got to make sure that we're not reacting emotionally and doing an operation when the field conditions don't fit. Um, but I would not be scared of being ready very early um, if we do end up with an early thaw because then at least you have extended your window between application and planting um, if conditions warrant. But I tell you, I'm, I'm concerned right now because we have so much moisture. And as soon as the ground thaws, we're going to go through that mucky period um, if it's anything like the, the couple thaws, surface thaws that we had over the last couple weeks. Um, so we just need to be prepared to be flexible, I would say. Yeah, I think uh, you mentioned a couple thaws here and there, and I've seen multiple different guys have toolbars, anhydrous toolbars out three different times, and they swore that they were putting them away for the winter, and they've drug them back out two or three different times. And so uh, at least we're getting some freeze in, uh, but certainly something to watch out within that next freeze, that very last thaw, and making sure we get out at the right, uh, at the right time. Sue, I wanted to circle back around with you on some of this residue management. And one of the big things when we think about residue management is probably uh, when it comes to disease, uh, disease management. And um, what are, 
you know, what are some of the key highlights there of why we need to manage our residue and how does that play into the disease triangle? You know, if you think back to last fall and even last summer, we had some pretty extreme weather events. We had drought to the south, we had extreme wet in pockets to the north, uh, basically had diseases move in on some highly stressed crops and some pockets and some really good yields in other areas. So we're very diverse environments. So depending on where you're sitting at and what your field background is, the diseases are out there, whether they were on your current crop or just built in the stocks and didn't fully grow and didn't get the inoculum levels high. My thought though is coming off this last season, we had everything from stock rots to some ear rots in places. That inoculum level is gonna be high in a lot of those fields if you're doing corn on corn. Uh, bean market, you also see that. I've had some questions on beans on beans here in the last few days. You know, it's not a high market, but there's also a way to manage. What varieties do you go to? What hybrids do you change to to make that all work? So I think management, we aren't gonna get the chance necessarily to bury the stocks and the the inoculum levels below ground, which is what we'd love to see to get it to break down more. But do you look at the fungicide applications over the top? Your seed treatment on the seed you've ordered, of course, is a piece of that. And then otherwise, what other things can you maintain the health of that crop in season with? And some of that is the fertility levels. Okay, Jim, there's one more thing I wanted to circle back with you. We touched on some nitrogen and, and making sure we we get that out at the right time. Another thing I wanted to touch base with is when we get into the spring applied, what are, what are some things here that we can think about different rates? When we, when we typically have gone from one application in the fall to now spring applied and maybe even split applied, can we be thinking about maybe a different rate or different rates, especially when we go to split, up, split applications? Yeah, you bet. Um, you know, you look at, again, being able to put on nitrogen closer to the time when that uh, corn crops needs it. Uh, really about V5 to V7 is when the corn starting to take up nitrogen, uh, very low rates at that point, but it is important to have some nitrogen available at that time because the, uh, the crop is starting to form uh, the number of rows around the ear. So you definitely want to have nitrogen available. Um, let's say if you're going at a, at a pre-plant, you, you, I would say a minimum you'd want to have 40 to 50 pounds out there and then uh, the rest as a side dress. Um, but if you are split applying, um, one rule of thumb is you, you can use uh, perhaps 10% less versus a uh, upfront application. And of course that's going to vary. Um, the, the, the challenge with nitrogen is every year is different as far as the uh, total amount of nitrogen that you end up using. Uh, one advantage, I guess you could say an advantage to uh, making that decision on nitrogen in season uh, when you're going to side dress is the fact that you can take into account the type of environment, the type of conditions that we've had. Uh, some of the work that Iowa State, uh, as well as the Iowa Soybean Association has done, is if we have um, a significant amount of rainfall, and what they've used is from April 1st through the end of June, if they've been able to record uh, 15 and a half inches of rain or more, uh, it's a pretty good chance that there's been some significant loss in that particular area. Again, depending on soil type and, and some of the other factors, soil temperature being one of them. But with that significant amount of rainfall, uh, there's a chance that uh, you know, those nitrogen rates would need to be upped. Um, and of course, we'd like to make that decision before the end of June, but if we know we've already accumulated, say, 12, 14 inches by uh, June 1st, uh, there's a pretty good chance that uh, we are gonna need that additional nitrogen. So at least those type of things we can take a look at where we're at in the year, what we've had for rainfall, the type of season we've had, and then make that decision 
on our rate for side dressing. That's good. That's good, Jim. So, John, I wanted to touch on one thing that you you mentioned about was maybe having that soybean planter ready to go uh, early uh, if if we're waiting on on your nitrogen to get applied. You're waiting on planting some corn. You know, let's start thinking about planting that soybeans early. That's certainly been uh, one of our components to high yield soybeans is getting them out there early. But what do we need to think about when we think about managing stress? Uh, in soybeans is whether it's SDS management. I know that's one of the key things that we watch out for early, um, especially maybe to the east, southeast part of the state. Um, you know, what what do we have to watch out for there in that in that rotation? Well, on the SDS in particular, you know, if you are doing early planting and we do get wet, they are more prone to uh, have a yield affecting SDS. So if you are going out on SDS soils with an early planting, that might be something you want to double up your protection by putting some Olivo on or at least making sure you're choosing the, the correct varieties. Um, you know, when you talk about soybeans and diseases, I can't overlook the fall that we came out of. And we just had a tremendous challenges with the harvest season that we had on soybeans, what the disease development late did to soybean quality and to yield. And, you know, in the winter meetings I've gone through, we've been talking about just making sure that we optimize our package of varieties of soybeans so that we can combine them efficiently. Um, one of the things that I think happened to us in the southwest this fall, none of the beans got cut till they were ready. The time they were ready and guys were getting ready to cut, we got three weeks of rain. And that impact could have been lessened, in my opinion, if we would spread the range of maturity out that any one producer has. You're going to get some cut early, but you're not going to have all your eggs in one basket if we have a, a particular harvest delay. Um, so that's just a couple things on, on soybeans. So John, are you predicting another tough harvest already in 2019? No, I'm, I try to remain positive. Oh, okay. I think that the, uh, the agility of today's farmers will respond to the fall that we had last year and they'll set themselves up for success this fall. That's, that's a, good, a good point there, John. <laughs> Certainly appreciate that. Uh, and so, uh, you know, guys, gals what anything else here we touched a number of different things here from our winter meeting topics and anything we missed i think a big thing that's been mentioned is is to keep the plans flexible um you know in farming yeah. i think uh, all of our growers are used to that uh, but this year in particular when uh, we're, we're coming off a of fall that uh, we didn't get the, the work done that we maybe wanted to um, but stay stay close in in contact with your agronomist uh, with your seed dealer and really now is the time to do that planning and, and have a plan a b c d whatever it takes because uh, there's options that can work uh, but we just need to be thinking about them before we head into that planting season the only other thing i'd like to add i guess is we talked about it too the flexibility but being calm make sure your conditions are right because anything you go in with the spring you can really mess up things as much as you can help them and remember that most all of your equipment has settings and adjustments. Don't be afraid to use them field by field or in some places acre to acres. You change soil types, you change slopes, you change the, the way that that field actually works underneath your foot. So remember that as you do that because there's a lot of adjustments we probably don't do. We want to set it once for a season and run. That's not reality when you walk in the fields from the conditions we came off of last fall. Okay, those are good points and a lot of, a lot of uh, main theme here that I'm getting 
getting off of this is really just stay calm. Our equipment can handle uh, a lot in a, in a quick amount of time. So let's just stay calm. Let's not rush it. And uh, yeah, Mother Nature will come back around at some point. So with that being said, uh, thanks a lot for joining us. And, and we'll, uh, we'll be back here in a couple of weeks and probably start talking about uh, you know some key points as we're finalizing some seed orders as far as uh, recommendations and, and a lot of things to think about when we when we head into that time of year. So anyway, thanks for joining us and we'll uh, see you back here again.